recording started. All right, mate. Here we are. This is our podcast. <laughs> they don't want to be locked into a, a house or an apartment or some space. Got to follow the social distancing rule. More social distancing keeps more people healthy. It's like, oh, you guys could have talking shit. Why don't you just do a podcast? As soon as you try to do a podcast, we sound like a bunch of muppets. Hey, boys. Big show today. Hey, mate. Big hey, show. I reckon that intro just played without, without sound. So nah. That's probably a bit of a relief for people. I could hear it. Yeah, I heard it. Oh, okay. Where are you? Nice. You're up in All the right. hills. You're up in yep. the mountains. Yeah, I'm taking, taking a vacay over in, uh, in Teen. Spelt the word T-I-N-G-E-S. Somehow spells Teen in France. But this is me for the people that are on the YouTube channel. Fuck, check it out. It's mint. No. I always <laughs> thought it was good. pronounced Tigny. Yeah, Tignes. Yeah, that's right. Tignes. But apparently it's Tin, like uh, like a tin, like an Australian saying tin. Yeah, right. How's your, uh, how's your week been, fellas? Mate, my week's been good. I've been training bloody hard. DNF'd mm. my first session today. Just tapped out. I was tapped out. Yeah, I was is, tapped is, out, mate. Is that is that because you're counting calories and you, you have will not be. put enough in? It will How be. negative are you this week? I was negative after today's session, mentally. Yeah? yeah I'm uh, negative. <laughs> so, so you got no fuel in the tank, Jules? I had to have a coffee for the show, actually, get myself lined up. But uh, you've made a big commitment tonight, Jonesy. You've stayed up late. This is a late recording for you. Yeah. Um, and just on another side note, I've had an outbreak. I've got one of those pimples, you know, that like are really buried in the skin and you sort of got to make a call. Do I either just ignore it and let it go or do I just get in there, have a dig and hopefully I'll get one of those ones that really sort of fire off and hit the mirror. <laughs> but, could, but could leave a scar, like, you know. you got to get so real I'm, deep. I'm cause... for it. I think, like, for me, it would be worth getting, you know, just coming in a big outbreak. I look forward to outbreaks just because it's something, you know, the satisfaction of smacking them out is worse you, than, you know, you, like... Are you one of those guys, George, that watch pimple-popping videos on YouTube? Be honest. No, I don't. I can't get into other people's, but... Um, Sometimes, like, if you get heaps of massage, this is gone. Have you heard? Have you heard? Have you heard about this rabbit hole, Bills? They like pimple popping videos get massive numbers. Really? Like, there's, yeah, there's yeah. some that have got like 15 million views, and they're usually the ones that the real stringy pimples. You know? Oh yeah. If we wanted to get, if we wanted to get better coverage, we'd fuck this podcast off, and then we'd just go straight into popping pimples and putting it on YouTube. Yeah. And, so when and, the numbers get real low, we'll we'll move into that field. And when you get elderly people and they get that sort of back cis pop that they had since like nineteen eighty eight, they get massive numbers as well. Oh, I have seen the ones where it's like the where like the neck cysts go, and it just keeps coming and keeps coming, and you go, and it's like a car crash. You can't turn away. You're just looking at it, going, oh. Yeah, yeah. And then and then when the best is when you think it's all out, and they dig yeah, in and again, it and there's more. This is a great start. Have you ever seen the scalpel open ones? (laughs) I'm I'm struggling a bit with the start because like, I was late to the lineup because I was struggling to find... I've moved into George and Caitlin's apartment for this episode. We're in my house. And I come the key. So I've come in here and like finally logged on. You're like, Jonesy's like, 
Righto, boys, let's go. Recording. And, I was, and then, like, you guys have come with such hot, hot intensity about. Well, all I say is this search right. Dr. Pimple Popper. And I think she's got her own YouTube channel. And her signature oh. is this, like, metal little hook with a sort of loop at the end of it. And she can dig in. Oh, we've lost George. You can dig in and get those deep blackheads. That's her signature, yeah, mate. Sorry. And she just goes through coach calling me. and churns and burns and pops all these blackheads. So, um, yeah, right. great, great Have stuff. Have you seen the mats you can get that simulate it? The, they're like these mats that are, are sort of full of pus underneath and just a plastic mat with like oh. fake pus and you meant to pop it. Let's oh, move on. Stuff. Let's, let's, you guys are the fucking pimple on my forehead right now. <laughs> yeah. oh, wait, I want to know. I'm going to stop. You're in my house. Um, I'm pretty happy to know that my girlfriend just left this morning on a on a tr- on a little holiday trip. Um, otherwise, I'll be asking some big questions. Um, yeah, no, I actually haven't seen her the last few days since you left. You're, you're, oh, you're the news. you're the star attraction in this apartment. It, it seems. Is Billy like Co- Cosmo Kramer? Is Billy yeah. like the Kramer character that just sort of waltzes in, steals your food? Haven't left the building for six years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't quite know what he gets up to. Yeah. Come and make a bologna sandwich and read the newspaper. Hey, um, <laughs> one thing I've been wanting to suggest for a while is, you know how on really good podcasts, you know it's a good podcast when at the start they rattle off their sponsors mm. and they go, okay, before we start the show, I want to say a big shout out to Pimple popping cream or whatever it is. Um, What's that called? We, we obviously don't have any sponsors because we're not at that level yet. But I thought, why not? You should each week just bring a, a someone that you want to give a shout out to. A brand kind, that we like, you reckon? Yeah, like a genuine, yeah. just to get practice at doing a genuine sort of shout out to a sponsor. Yeah, right. Who, I'll, I'll give um, I'll give Dos Kiwis Brewing a shout out. I've been wearing their hat. That's the only hat I brought um, with me up to Andorra, so I wear it every single day. Yeah. Uh, this is Dos Kiwis Brewing. It's a local brewery in um, in Girona, just out of Girona. They brew some bloody good craft beers. He's a good man, Mike. He's a Kiwi boy from Tauranga. Uh, now he's living here and just brewing hop ales. So I'll give them a shout-out. If you're ever in uh, the Girona region, go to Dos Kiwis Brewing. They got a website there, Sam? Yeah, uh, Dos Kiwis Brewing, I suppose. <laughs> I think people, I think we've just put people off. We've just put people off. Buying, like I think this is reverse. People going, oh, I'm never going near those guys anymore. I think yeah, we're, we're sold out. harming these companies. We're harming these companies out. in a big way. I think we need to just steer clear. And let's uh, uh, not hey, any more companies. Another thing we should do at the start of the episode is um, when we have a guest coming on, we should actually talk about them and introduce them. Because today... Get no, not oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> Not that I, like, I, I like that you can't get a guy on your team to join the podcast, but getting someone from another team, arguably a bigger and more successful team, yeah, no dramas. No <laughs> yeah, dramas. Yeah, yeah, you want to yeah. come on? You know the time, you know the place, I'll be there. Well, and fairness to Des, it's not his fault. It's definitely my fault. Um, he, I haven't chased him up as much as I maybe should have. But anyway, this week, we're going to be talking later in the episode about um, Chris Froome's transfer next year. He's obviously leaving Team Ineos after 10 or 11 years in that team, and he's heading across the Israel Cycling Academy. So we've got Luke Rowe, who's going to join us 
towards the end of this episode to uh to yeah talk about that and probably go way off pitch like we normally do and talk about something completely different but he will be here later on in the episode have you got some hard-hitting questions for Rowie Bills about um Froomey and you know, are you going to try and stoke the fire or are you just going to be like sit on the fence and just play nice? Well, one of the promises to Rowie was um, we'd keep it above board. And to be honest, I'm always above board with Froomey. I'm a big fan of his. So the questions will be pretty generic, journalistic questions. Um, if you don't like what we say, you can go to Cycling News and read what they say. But uh, Is, we'll be- is Froomey the legend or Ballend or? <laughs> no. <laughs> We've got Tiger on this week. Hey, speaking of Tiger, Legend of Ballant, uh, when I put it up on the social media um, that we were going to be doing him this week for Legend of Ballant, some dude commented, and it was a great comment. He said, um, he said, Tiger Woods, he's, he's a legend who thought with his Ballant. <laughs> yeah, that's a good call. That's a good call. Yeah. So my Bloody question yeah. list for um, Rowie, I'm actually just going to see if I, you know, about four weeks ago I did a, put a few questions down for Daryl Limpy. And so I'm just going to see if I can shoehorn those in and maybe talk to Luke Rowe about um, growing up in South Africa and, and things like that. Um, see if we yeah. can apply that. Ask him, <laughs> ask him what it's like to be the Furikin to wear the yellow jersey at the Tour de France. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? At least it's better than nothing. That's it. We're, we're, we've got a uh, few news stories to cover. We've got... Um, I think we were going to... One of the big topics we've got today, I actually think we should wait until Rowie's in and because I think he'd be a real insight uh, into um, into some, some things that have happened in New Zealand sports lately and, and it sort of begs the wider question of, of a bit of aggression in sport. And so I think that would be great to save that for when Luke's here. But um, what I've been going deep in lately, actually I haven't talked to you boys about talking about this, but um, I just was thinking about it, it was lying on me before. I've gone deep into the Formula One um, Drive to Survive. Have you guys seen any of that? The first, yeah, first series? Yeah, I saw good. the first series. Really good. So a couple of things on that have just stuck with me. And I watched I watched about six episodes yesterday and ended up having F1 dreams all night. And um, one line that just keeps sticking with me on that is that your teammate. So each people don't know anything about F1. Each, so there's, there's 10 teams and each team has two drivers in the same cars. And it's huge competitive, huge competition to get a seat in, in a car for each year. And um, the big, the big thing that I just can't get past is that your teammate, so the other bloke in the same car as you, is your biggest enemy because you're the only two guys in a level, level playing field. And then you see who's the best driver. And um, I've been thinking about that a lot. And I'm actually here at Team Camp, and I was wondering if, if do you guys feel, or Sam in particular, I guess, do you feel? Um, there's any element of that in cycling? Well, that's a, that's a good uh, question, George. Yeah, that's a great question. Jeez. I told you I was wrong-footed at the start of this episode. You could game. Look, I don't know. I, I think so, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, because when you think I, about I, it, say you're going for a Tour de France spot, right? And, and yeah. let's take, okay, and let's take yours for an example, and we take his kind of rider. Big guy, strong guy, big so you, you know, in, in, in Mitchelton alone, you got guys like Yul Jensen, Happy, Durbo, Bauer, whatever. There's heaps of guys, and in one particular year, I mean this year maybe not, but um, in particular years, you're all vying for a. So that's a you actually boys off the bike, but man, you in an element of you until you've made the final nine, you're um, you're kind of at, at, at odds with each other, aren't you? 
Well, I'll give you another example, actually, a, probably a better example of what I've experienced over the years is in the track program in team pursuiting. Oh, so, yeah. so in team pursuiting, you, you know, you, you go to the Olympic Games and you normally take five team pursuit riders and obviously only four line up on the, on the day. And it's the biggest event. Everyone wants to be racing the Olympic Games, especially if you're in the chance of a medal. And like in our situation in New Zealand and um, Beijing and, and London, like these guys are my best mates. Like we were. We still catch mm. up every year. Every year I go back to New Zealand, we do an annual catch up different part of New Zealand and we just have a couple of days on the booze and go mountain biking and just and just catch up with each other so we're really close mates but we were literally in competition for that for those spots because you knew that if you didn't perform better than the other guys in training you weren't going to make the team and as much as we wanted the teams to succeed if you weren't in the team if you weren't if you were in the middle of the track mm. there watching the guys race you weren't you're going to get a medal so um that was a real interesting scenario of like guys that you really cared about and you wanted them to be on the star line with you, but we knew that we couldn't all be there. So the competition was actually real in those situations. I reckon the worst mm. thing about F1 is, in, and you saw it in that series, is when the teammate takes out his teammate. Like there was a case where yeah. the Red oh, Bull when, guys... When the, the staff and, and, and Ricardo. They were going at it, but I think the one you might be talking about was when the two um, uh, was it the Force India boys who just hated each other in a big way, and they just keep and, and they just keep putting each other into the wall, one after the other. Um, yeah, and those and sort of those sort of dollars is that every time exactly those sort of stuff ups. I mean, a lot of those crashes. I mean, they're not going to buff out. You're talking no. like <laughs> millions, <laughs> yeah. and millions, millions of dollars. dollars. And then they zoom in on like, you think of like how much logistics. You've got a staff of like 100 going to these races and it's all wiped out in a split second with someone getting mm. white line fever and just going, nah, fuck it, I'm just taking fuck him yeah. out. I'm just taking Dude, him what's out. What's the cycling equivalent of that? The cycling equivalent of that is you're going to the Tour de France and the Dauphiné is the last selection race. So, you know, there's three guys for for one spot or something. And the cycling equivalent of doing that, short of crashing them, is is either there's two ways to do the cycling equivalent of that. One is you um in the race you you wait, 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 let the other two guys say with domestic or say let's say my role climbers, you know, and you want to be the last climbing support or the whatever. And you you just snake it. You wait, 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 and when it's your turn to pull you surge and try and drop the other guys. And although they've been riding stronger, you've looked better. Or you get back in the bus, and the first thing you do, you walk up to the director and go, oh, fuck, what was, what was old mate doing? He, man, he was having a shock. He was, he was really creeping. I really had to carry the ball and really just ragging on them to the sports director. They're the two, I guess, classic sabotage ways of... Well, he's... Stephen Kroizek just walked past. We've, that's our first yeah, guest, yeah. Stephen Kroizek. Yeah. <laughs> he's gone. <laughs> Good to have him on the show. (laughs) It's an interesting uh, story for you, George. Is in 2012, um, I was rooming next to Bradley Wiggins by random at the team hotel. The stage when um, Froomey went off the front. Remember when Froomey? Yes. Punched about fees, and he had to tell him to slow down, and he was screaming on the mic. Yeah. And I I was rooming next to Wigo that day. And I remember thinking, geez, like, what are the odds? This is going to be awesome. <laughs> and he was steaming after the day. And I remember he brought Brailsford in and there was like a screaming match going on inside the room. And I could hear all this. 
and he was rattling off going, you know, Mick Rogers did his job. He was fucking great. Richie Port, great. What the fuck, mate? And pretty much threatening to leave the race, like to hand in and go, I'm not going to fucking start if I have to put up with this shit. And they were like, oh, you know, calm down, Brad. It's going to be okay or whatever. And I remember just like, you know, your rival team, you're like, geez, you can really... If I had my camera recording getting the audio, this is gold. <laughs> but then they were forced to go out the next day and everyone was going, oh, uh, we're hearing uh, rumours that there's friction within the team. Like, oh, no, 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 no. no it's it's all fine. Um, That's what I like yeah. about F1, though. They didn't pretend. They didn't pretend. They they straight, They were just like, this guy. And then the two interviews where, where they, they just rag on each other. They're sitting beside each other like in the press conference and they're just taking rounds out of each other. And... Uh, you know, they just they just take it on the chin and they don't give a shit and then they have to then travel to the next race together. They have to do everything together, but it just must be this most intense for twenty rounds if you just hate this guy beside you. It must be the most intense atmosphere. But I, I, mean, I, I think what's, what's in cycling, like it's a little bit different because like that last point you said, George, about sabotaging. But at the end of the day, like teams like you have you go in the Tour de France, you have your leader, you know, for example, or hmm. if you're in your team or Rowie's team, you've got three. Um <laughs> But you and the, the other guys that are selected to go to that Tour de France are based on their on what they do in their job and, and support yeah. and help and loyalty, what they offer on, on the bike, what they offer in the bus, you know, with um, leadership and, and road captaincy and all that stuff. So it's not necessarily like you get to the Dolphinet and there's one spot and there's three guys going for it. That spot's not selected on who finishes first that day, who crosses the line first yeah. out of those three. It's selected on what that person can bring Tour de France and whatever their designated role is. And that's different to Formula One because they don't give a shit. They just want a guy. I mean, you're talking about multi, multi millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. All they want to, all they want is who can drive that car the fucking fastest and win the races. They don't give can a you shit imagine if we went to the tour with eight guys and they just said, All right, let's we're just gonna race for a week and all eight GC guys, and if we're just gonna go for it for a week, and then we'll see who's the strongest, which is what um who was the team that um, Greg Telecom. won his? Nah, uh-huh. Greg, Greg LeMond won his first tour on them. With Hino, Bernard Hino. Yeah, and they they basically came with the tactic: just we're going to bring like four leaders, five leaders. There's going to be no hierarchy. Everybody just try win, and then we'll see in the last week, and then we'll work for someone. You know? And did then, like, ESPN do a doco on that? Hunting yeah, I think the it's called Taming the Badger or something. Yeah, Hunting that's the it. Badger, Taming the Badger. Yeah. But getting back to Formula One, I reckon that the, the team managers they play off that rivalry. They stoke mm, it yeah. because it, it makes them hungrier and it gives them sort of that motivation to go, Oh shit, I'm not comfortable. Because I reckon in F one, if you start getting comfortable and feeling like your place is secure, you're probably not gonna drive as good. Yeah. And you need a bit of aggression, but there's man, there's some egos there too. You know, I mean, you've got you, you just the egos evolved in that sport. They just love it. The, the Red Bull owner. Um, hey, I reckon we could get we could get Bottas on this show because he goes out with Tiffany Cromwell, who's mm. uh, yeah, you know, everyone knows um, Tiffany through the Australian cycling um, scene. She's right at Green Edge, so she's great, babe. Mm. So yeah. Maybe we could. Um, Try and get him on the show in 2024 or something. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Promise too much. <laughs> yeah. Should we? Um, we'll just we, settle for a guy get, who uh... knows someone that lived next door to him in Monaco or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. 
Do you think we should man. maybe get stuck into Tiger Woods for a little bit and then call Rowie up and talk to him about life? Well, I, I, had, I had one other topic I wanted to talk to you before we do, and that is what what is your rating on customer service in general in this COVID period? Because I've had some really good experiences. Like I went for um, a drive through coffee last week and I went to pay for it and the lady's like, nah, it's already been covered. The car in front of you shouted your coffee and then just drove off. And I'm like, oh, shit, how good's that? Um, but then yesterday I had my worst ever experience. Really? Ever. I, uh, right, his mic dropped me. <laughs> See you, mate. Yeah. <laughs> really? Good. Adios. All right. Good. Good. No, 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 no. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> I just closed the really? door. Really? Stuck into some vacuuming in there. Yeah. Yep. Um, Croy's, no, actually, so, Stephen's on, Stephen's on the vacuum right now. So, <laughs> I, um, I, I went down to Subway for lunch, right? Um, as soon as I walked in there, the restaurant had that real sort of, uh, they sort of let this subway go a bit because you can't eat in the restaurants here in Melbourne. We're about to embark on a second wave. So no one can eat <laughs> indoors. You've literally got to go order and get out. So there's all like ratty signs on the tables, you know, don't sit here and all that. So as soon as you walk in, you're like, okay, I can just sense that whoever works here is just over it. And then when I got served, the guy looking at me like, you know, mate, yeah, what do you want in this sub? So he's filling out. There's no passion, you know. So I get me red sub. onion smell. That's yeah, what I mate. Yeah, what sort of? You want that thing toasted? Uh, yeah, mate. Anyway, he gets to the end, and then he goes, "You wanted a meal?" I said, "Um, yeah, I will." And I thought, "No, I'm going large. I'm getting a large cup." So he just hands me the cup. I go to fill it. I fill the ice in. No drums. Now thinking to myself. Coke Zero, and I'm thinking, nah, bugger it. It's a Sprite day. I'm going full sugar. And I slam it in, and no shit, this thing spews out the Sprite, but about 50 ants with it. What? So now oh. 50 ants into my cup. So I look at it, and I'm like, that is fucking disgusting. So I take it back to the guy behind the jump. I said, mate, <laughs> what the hell is this? And he looks at it and goes, oh, yeah, uh, you might want to grab a bottle instead, eh? <laughs> so I go to the fridge, grab a bottle of Sprite, and I walk out all sort of like, the fuck just happened? I'm sitting in the car because I can't eat in the restaurant. I'm there with another mate of mine, B-Roll, and we're eating our footballs, talking B-roll. shit. B-Roll. It's a long story. I went to film school with him. From he's, Sale? No, he's from Packy. Um, his specialty is filming um, cutaway vision that they call B- B-Roll. And his name's Ben, so it's got a good ring. Anyway, me and B-Roll eating our subs in the car. We're parked out the front of the restaurant. And we're just almost like a stakeout. I'm watching this guy thinking, how's he going to react? Because an average guy, if I got handed a cup with 50 ants in it, I would freak out. Like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Um, I'll give you a voucher. Um, go grab another drink, and I'll shut that sort of drink dispenser down and get this shit sorted. Like biohazard. No, he's just let me walk out the front door. I'm watching him. They're not even busy. He's just standing behind the counter as if like nothing's happened. Served about four or five people and that was it. They didn't shut the machine out. So anyway, the first time ever I've actually sent it off to the third umpire. I'm like, no, oh, yeah. I have to I have to complain about this. I'm I'm just gonna submit something to Subway and say, Look, you, so you we'll need pull to pull your ring Jared. Pull your heads in. No, this is 
this is no shit. <laughs> I sent off a um a note to Subway um head office or whatever. They've got like a whole process, you know, tick the box, what happened, what was your experience, blah blah. So I just said to him, told him I told them word for word, this is what happened, you know, with the ants. And I get a response from their subway team because also their internet was down, so I couldn't scan for like credits for like a loyalty customer. You know, I think if you if you get like ten subs, you get one free. So I said, you know, your internet was down, got all the ants, blah blah. They replied and they go, Oh, I'm so sorry to hear about your experience. Um, send us your proof of purchase and we'll give you a credit, like we'll restore your loyalty points. Um, yours truly, whatever. And I replied, that isn't the issue. I don't <laughs> yeah. care about bloody 20 loyalty points. I care about the 50 fucking ants in my drink and the fact that the guy didn't clean it. Anyway, then it went to another guy and I, they said, oh, yeah. Um, I said, yeah, I don't care about that. I care about the ants. And he goes, sorry, I'm just in charge of the loyalty points. Someone else will be in touch with you. I get another email and it was literally from Jared. can't remember his last name. Manager of Subway. And I'm like... <laughs> That's just too funny. And he said, hey, I'm, I'm horrified. Thanks for letting me know. I'm, I'm, I'm literally driving around to the store now to give the, um, the people working there a bit of a serve. Um, give me your address and I'll send you some free subs. And I was like, uh, after that experience, so I think I'm going to give Sub, Subway a bit of a wide berth for a month or so. But anyway, that was, that was a good uh, segue a ro- from... There's a good segue from let's promote some companies. We gave Dos Kiwis a shout out and then fucking dragged Subway through the yeah. through the rinser. <laughs> it's a shame because well, it's been I've, hard been, for them. I've been eating Subways for years, mate. I'm a, I'm a big supporter. But um, do you think they suffered from the from the Jared turning out to be a pedo um, debacle? Oh, I'm you sure. You know about that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, speaking I'm about sure... I'm speaking about J- Jared and Ents. You you watch Afterlife too? And yeah. that comedian, he says that joke. Hey, what's, uh, what's, worse, what's worse than ants in your pants? Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then he gets like crickets. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so Tiger show. Woods. Yeah, Tiger. Um, all right. So we all know the story. Um, obviously, greatest golfer. Arguably of all time, we we pretty unanimous on that, or we come <coughs> with Jack Nicholas, yeah, yeah, him or the bear. Okay, um, starts losing, uh, starts playing shit house, um, and just basically starts in this massive downward spiral where eventually it turns out he was essentially. Could you go as far to say he was a, a necrophiliac or, or nympho? Is that? Yeah. Nymphomaniac, sorry. Necrophilia yeah, is like when you're... What's a necrophilia? So let's not yeah. go that. He wasn't that He extreme. didn't do that. Oh, <laughs> what is that? That's uh, nymph- nymphomaniac. Now, this is what he said. Yeah, he, he, he did claim he was a... He was a but uh, he, was eventually, he was eventually caught um, drunk driving, <laughs> pulled over. He was... Cra- you know, and, and I'm going to read you a list of what they, what he was caught with. I mean, he was obviously well over the uh, drink driving limit. He had THC in the system. Um, he had the painkillers Vicodin and Dialadud, Dialadud. Um and he had Xanax and Ambien, which is a sleeping tablet. So that would make you pretty muddled. Um, and that was basically as low as it got. And, it, and then, and then we found out that he'd basically just been 
um, spraying it around all over town and um, cheating on his wife. And yeah, and then he, he got, to make what he, I would say. He got done oh, here so. in Melbourne. This is when it all came out. When it he was, was playing the girlfriend, yeah. down here, yeah. And he came with the girlfriend. So there's a um a really interesting mini sort of documentary that um I think the BBC did and it was ages ago and I remember I used to show it to all the Green Edge guys on the bus and whatever. Um and they basically went through and interviewed a lot of his old flings because once one girl came out there was like fifty in a really quick succession. But some of the some of the stories were just like they go through his whole life and his childhood. Like, did you even hear the story, Bills, about when he, like, how he got the name Tiger? Like, his dad no, was in the what's army. His, what's his name? Aldred or something, eh? Aldred. Yeah, his dad. His dad was in the army and um, in at Vietnam or whatever. And he's in the jungle, and this snake crawled past. A, a poisonous one was going to um, attack him, and this uh, local guy grabbed it and saved his life. And the guy's name was Tiger, and he said no, you're destined to have a, a kid one day and he's going to be born, you know, he's going to be great. And so that was his whole point in life. Like he wanted to have a son and make him great. So he was the one that dragged him to the golf course because he got free golf at the military place where he grew up. And that's all he did. And so Tiger had this really fucked up childhood where all he was doing was playing golf and this guy reckons one day he drove past Tiger when he was on his way to work. He was putting on a putting green. And he said he come back from work eight hours later, he's on the same green practicing his putts. Like, that's not normal. Nah. And so then yeah. I, think he's, I think his dad was a playboy and used to play up a bit. And um, he saw that and sort of normalized it. And therefore, his moral compass was a little bit off for a long time there. And then... Uh, yeah, I mean, it obviously all come unstuck, but some of the revelations in that thing, like, geez, he was just brazen before he, it all come out. Well, I was reading he had – so he had 19 mistresses, um, which is – At one that's time. A, or that's just, a good, good – yeah, one, at one time, I think. So that's a great, that's a great tally. And um, so what happened was, yeah, so he – it sort of was going to come out in this um, – so the girlfriend that he was in Melbourne with, Rachel something, she she was going to tell all, basically. And then they paid off a million bucks. Or someone paid her off a million bucks to shut her mouth, which she did. Then the then the sort of like the rumors sort of coming out a little bit. So then his missus found out, um, found the messages on Tiger's phone. First mistake, Tiger. Um, and and that's when she kicked off with the golf clubs, remember? She smashed his mm. Cadillac in and then he crashed into the mm. fire, fire hydrant outside his driveway and all that stuff. And that's when the that's when the ball started rolling heavily, but then what happened was this Rachel girl she got she got pissed off she basically got jealous because she she was with Tiger for like uh, more more than two years two and a half years or something, and she thought she was the only one, so she thought she was sort of sucked into Tiger's web a little bit thinking oh I'm the special one and it turns out he had 19, 18 others mm. <laughs> on the go including like porn Just stars and stuff so she got pissed off and jealous. So that's when she went out to the media and said, like, oh, I've got to get tested for um, bloody sexual transmitted diseases because he's been sleeping with porn stars and rah, rah. And that's what blew the whole thing up. And then that's, like Jones says, that's when they started coming out of the woodwork going, yeah, well, I was working at Denny's or whatever and he chucked a leg over me in the back alley or whatever, you know? Yeah, that, that, um, no, she was the IHOP 
pancake um, uh, worker. She was she was working. So Tiger, nah, this is a shocker. He goes to IHOP for pancakes, and he he looks at this uh, um, waitress over the menu like full creep style, and then um, he goes home and rings the restaurant and asks for this waitress, and they're like, um phone call it's tiger she's like what and so she starts talking to her. tiger's like yeah i've been noticing you i think we should <laughs> like hook up and she's like oh okay you know whatever and then they've hooked up and he t- he used to love taking it because he lived five minutes away he used to take her down to his den and you know his wife would be out getting a haircut and he'd time it within a couple of minutes where he'd you know they'd do the deed and he'd drop her off and it was it was just living on the edge, like he he thrived on this whole. I'm almost caught, but I'm not. And mm. eventually, this this um, restaurant worker's she's told her mum about this whole affair. You know, I'm seeing Tiger Woods, and her mum's like, "Oh, you know, doesn't really sit well with me," sort of thing. But I'm sort of thinking at the same time as well. Well, they didn't go public with it, so but she didn't get she didn't get any payment or anything. Um, she reckons the only thing he he gave her in the whole time they were together was, um, well, talking about Subway, it was a six-inch Subway sandwich. <laughs> um, yeah, and speaking of the den, we've lost George again. He's we've lost George. And I reckon his the... data's chewed up because he's on uh, mobile phone. Yeah, he probably didn't charge his phone either. Um, anyway, soldier on. Anyway, <laughs> um, speaking of that, Den, he he took a he had the neighbor's daughter down there a few times as well. I think. Did he? Yeah, mate. He he was kicking goals, eh? Well, he was hitting well, the I don't know. If, I don't know. He was in the he was in the crossbar. I mean, the, the blokes, the blokes married, Sam. That's yeah. Uh, well, that's my question. That's my sort of like. I mean, I'm not going to defend his actions, but like. Outside of um, cheating on his wife, yeah. like prof- profusely <laughs> for a number of years with a number of women, he didn't do anything, did he? <laughs> <laughs> no, no I, I think in general he was trying to sell this whole pure um, family man image, you know, that was crafted. Here's George again. Hey, buddy. What do we go? Legend or Valiant? <laughs> no, we were just saying that. Like, I think we're the still thing talking that, about his balance. The oh. pe- the thing that people obviously took um, objection to is obviously he's cheating on his missus, but he was projected as this sort of family guy, and they had this sort of you know squeaky clean image. And IMG, mm-hmm. his management company, did they did a number of cover ups for him over the over the period oh, yeah. of time, and this. So it all came out. They they went to his management with this um, IHOP um, waitress's whole affair, and they didn't pull the trigger on it because they did a deal where they said, "Okay, we won't announce this or publish it in our magazines on the condition that Tiger goes on the cover of Men's Health, um, and we'll just call it evens." And they said, "Okay." So they went on the cover of Men's Health, and they sold five times more copies than they ever did and they kept it quiet so yeah it's interesting a friend said to me this morning he made a good point i was talking about tiger woods and he said um if tiger woods 
didn't if he was a rock star you know it would only make it better like it, he'd only be like a more of a legend for this you know like just spraying it around getting on the get like you know drugs all the shit for the fact that he was just like i mean arguably pretty similar you know slightly different but similar sort of professions um yet he gets absolutely crucified as a sportsman but would be absolutely celebrated as a musician or an actor or something you know yeah, and like, but when you look at his um, how he got crucified, he and he did. He was bloody hung up on the cross, but it was only for a period because at the end of the day, what he did wrong was was a moral thing, complete moral thing. Like yeah. he wasn't bloody Harvey Weinstein or any of the fucking predators. Like he's not. He yeah. was just he was just a guy that was super super famous. He could basically, you know, it wasn't hard for him to to pick up a girl. And if he was single, you'd go like, oh, yeah, the old Tiger, he's, he's a bit of yeah. a menace. But, like, he's not bit doing anything wrong. And, and the only thing he's done wrong is cheat on his wife, effectively. So yeah. that's why the crucif- crucifixion was, um, was so short-lived. Not as short-lived as Jesus, but it was short-lived. And, oh, don't, um, don't bring up that Jesus again. <laughs> Jesus. How did, that go, how did that go for the last week? How many listeners did we lose after my monologue? Oh, mate. God. I think, yeah. yeah. Um, there's a few people God, that um, gave it that whole eh? yeah, what? This, I think the, Swiss, I think the whole uh, Swiss Army got Swiss Army knife of gods really was the was the killer for a few people. They said you can't you can't do that. Yeah, we, you know when we asked we asked people to share, you know, to promote our show to get some more listeners. My mum, being the bloody legend she is, she's supporting supporting her son through thick and thin. Um, she. She shared last week's podcast on Facebook, and the, t- and the su- she just wrote some interesting topics here. <laughs> <laughs> my son's friends are dickheads. Yeah. I always told my son not to hang out with that fucking George Bennett. <laughs> yeah. Um, quickly on the Woodsy on the Tiger Woods is is the comeback. I, people said it was you know one of the greatest comebacks in sporting history, but it wasn't like. For me, a greatest comeback would be, say, a Froomey comeback after the crash and wins, wins the tour or something like that. Um, no, but his back was f- totally rooted as well. It wasn't okay, just okay, the so indiscretions. Like, he literally uh, had spinal fusion surgery or something, didn't he, Bules? Yeah. Yeah, he, he was pretty hand down, like, mm. And that's why he was on those – well, that's what he argues. He was on that Xanax and um, all those painkillers and things. And – I mean, his back was rooted. I, I've got a friend who's got a similar issue, and she struggled yeah, for years and, um, and years. Shag his back, <laughs> <laughs> but he, yeah. um, you, you see that, you know, like one of his last tournaments before it, it all happened, he he curled up on the middle of the fairway, you know, with that back problem, and yeah, he he. So he came back from yeah, arguably one of the biggest scandals in sport, yeah. and um, yeah, um, yeah, shag his back and carpet burn <laughs> on his knees, <laughs> and. He, Serious amounts of antibiotics to get rid of the clap. <laughs> really dragging him down. He was grinding up Viagra in his Gatorade. But honestly, <laughs> talking about that, that come, talking about that comeback, George. Like for me, in my lifetime of what I've seen, I've seen some bloody unreal sporting moments. But when he won the Masters a couple of years ago, like that was unbelievable. Eh? Like he hadn't won a tournament. He won a tournament a couple of years prior, a smaller tournament. But he was bottom of the barrel. In, in Tigers' terms, in um, the professional ranks. And he came back and he won like the most prestigious golf tournament in the world. He put the green jacket on again for the whatever, fifth, sixth, seventh, hundredth time. And um, 
And like that was that for me. That was emotional. I nearly cried. Like the amount of people walking down the galley with him. Uh, that come. That well, was I just didn't see it as a big disadvantage. I mean, I just don't see that. Like you know, this bike crash. But but now, like at the time, like everyone was. I wasn't really understanding that the, the emotion around it because I was thinking all this guy's coming back from is spraying around too much, and I was thinking this is, you know, I mean, how how <laughs> it's not that bad of a. It's not that uh, much as we of a as of, we uh, said last setback. week, mate. We do a lot of good research on this show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We are. I would have recommended ring uh, ring Lucan and talk to him. No, about, we're not. Uh, it's not. It's not up to us. He's joining us at four o'clock, so we've got we've still got a bit of time. Uh, hey, so we can one other through, geez, one, one other thing. Other one other thing that Tiger Woods did really well was those EA Sports games when he was at it's his in peak. The game. Yeah, the, Tiger Woods golf on the. Um, PlayStation, oh, doesn't get any better in the uh, mid two thousands. Um, really good. Should we should we vote then? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you, uh, any, anything to... else from the uh, witness from the witness stand? Anyone else want to bring up anything? Um, nah, I think we've pretty much covered it. All right, what, all right. what, what are you voting, George? Uh, legend, have to hard to hard to call Tiger Woods a valiant on my part. I mean, I know he's broken some moral codes, but who am I to judge? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'll go legend. Name uh, George Bennett is not like Tiger Woods. It was just a play on words. Um, <laughs> or the quiff, quiff or whatever you call them. <laughs> yeah, I'd go legend, Bills. Yeah, look, I like I can't knock what he's achieved overall. He's 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 fucked up, but um, as I said, he's done his uh, done his time. He's learned from his mistakes. I'm pretty sure he he lives a really clean lifestyle off the golf course now. You could almost guarantee it. Yeah, I hope he doesn't. I hope hope he hasn't done a big 180 and it's just a real like fucking dribble. You know, I hope he's not just like. All right, rain it in on the soda water during yoga. You know, I hope he's still. No, I'm not saying I hope he still gets amongst, but I'm just hoping he's he's not. He hasn't been so scarred by it that he's done a well, full 180. Well, it's a good point because, like, what would they do if if you were diagnosed with sex addic- addiction? Um, I've seen movies where, like, comedies, you know, where they say you pretty much have to stop eating. No, what was that off that movie where he said? I think it was super bad where he was addicted to drawing dicks and he was yeah. told he's he's not he's not allowed to eat anything that's penis shaped. Yeah. He goes, Do you know what? All the good foods. It almost have Popsicles. to be something it almost have to be something similar. If they had to say to Tiger, look, we need to really get you back on track and we've got to first of all knock this sex addiction on the head. You pretty much like have to go cold turkey in terms of anything that would trigger that. You go join yeah, well, he, a nunnery, he, don't you? Well, he's not a nun, but he's not a woman. But he he went to um he went to sex rehab, eh? So it'd be interesting. We should have actually googled that. What happens in a sex rehab facility? How do they treat these people? What. One of you guys <laughs> yeah. have Google. Do you reckon, I don't. Do you know, well, you know when you go to like a, a drug rehab for heroin or something, they give you um. What do they give you? Uh, um, I'll, I'll I'll Google it live. Now they give you um methadone, Google. methadone, like a methadone clinic. What so do, do you reckon they wean him off sex somehow? Sex what's the, what, what they just let him, 
Oh, they no, just give him hand. dolls. They swap in some dolls or something oh, for a while. And maybe just hand jobs or something? Seriously, <laughs> yeah. if you type in what happens in sex rehab, number two, Tiger Woods, sex rehab, how clinics <laughs> like Pine Grove work. That's number two. Okay, how does Pine Grove work? Oh, well, I'll find out. You guys talk. All right, well, I'll vote. I'll vote. I'll vote quickly. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm going to vote Legend as well, purely because, um, yeah, he crossed the moral code massively. His moral comp- compass was spinning in all directions and pointing predominantly south. Um, but at the end of the day, he didn't He didn't break any laws. Uh, he let some people down, uh, a few million probably. Um, and But that comeback, when he won the Masters a couple of years ago, man, it made my bloody my heart flutter. So I'll go legend, purely from a sporting point of view. All right. Well, I'm finding out now there's a 12-step program when you get into this clinic, all the clinics vary, but um, and rehab lengths vary from two-week outpatient seminars to up to six weeks, like the one where Woods was staying. And basically, the first thing that they do is get to the core of what you've got some underlying issues. So for Tiger, they're probably going, mate, what happened? Tell me about that day you were putting on that green for eight hours as a kid. That's, that shit's not normal. He's probably he's opened up about the scars of all that sort of stuff, um, and it would go back to his um, childhood. And then um, the second stage they go through confronting patients' distorted view of reality. Did the addict really believe that paying for a sensual massage was not the same thing as hiring a prostitute? Okay, well, there's a just go Google it yourselves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know if I want detailed. that on my search history, eh? I just don't know if I need that on my on my browser history. Nah. Nah. Well, I better um explain it to Sarah when she gets up in the morning. You really get on the computer. Mode. Yeah, do you want me to yeah. send her a text? Just to no, I might have to do the old once a month clear history. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Log back into all your shit again. It's worth it, eh? Hey, uh, on another note, um, talking about old legend and balance, see um, our mate Kanye West and um, Elon Musk had their Twitter accounts hacked. Yeah, everyone, really? no, at my, mine mm. as well. Well, so like, yeah, they got their Kanye, um, Barack Obama, Elon Musk, uh, Bill Gates. They were all hacked and these tweets were sent out from their accounts promoting Bitcoin, like to buy Bitcoin. I've made millions of dollars through Bitcoin, rah, rah. And they were only verified accounts. So what Twitter's done is they've suspended all verified Twitter accounts, so you can't tweet. And George, you'll have a verified account. Jones, you do as well, I think. And as uh, do no, I, I don't, tweets, I don't so. have a verified account. Uh, so George I and tried I got, to get one verified, but they knocked me back because you bought all so those we followers. We can't tweet at the moment. <laughs> Because <laughs> Jonesy, Jonesy hey, trying to. Oh, <laughs> what, what have you done? Keep doing. Nah, so, so, um, so yeah, we can't tweet at the moment because we've got a verified account. I was going to try and put one out earlier just to test my importance of verification, but. All right. Some, do you want to hear the? Hacker. Do you want to hear the the real story about buying followers, George? Yeah, I'd it love was, to hear this. I it was two thousand. It was two thousand fourteen. And I got an email from someone saying, do you want an extra 50,000 Twitter followers or something? And I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. Like a scam email or was it an actual email? Like a, no, it was, a, it was an actual a email and it was personalized and there was a line in it early about cycling and the videos or whatever. So I thought, oh, well, this sounds legit. Oh. Okay, D- this dude works scam. for this. No, no, this dude works for this company. You know, he didn't say, you know, 
Oh, and also you've won the lottery in Nigeria. You know, just and, need and your I'm bank account Prince. details. Yeah. Mm, nice. Okay. So anyway, I, I emailed him and said, well, what's the process? And he said, all right, well, normally it costs, I think it was 1500 bucks for 50,000 followers. Um, still for 200 bucks or whatever. And I'm like, ah, oh, how bad do I want these 50,000 fake accounts? I'm like, give it a crack. We'll see what happens. <laughs> literally, literally the next day, I thought it'll be a gradual thing. Like they'll drip feed you like, you know, a couple of hundred and yeah. just sort of slowly grow. Next day, he smacked me with 25,000 followers. Like it went from 10,000 to 35,000. And then I'm like, oh no, like people going to, this is when Twitter was big, 2014, people going to know. And I remember Brian Naga walks in the next day and he goes, dude, dude, <laughs> you're causing waves on social media. And I'm like, I had to play dumb. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, dude, have you seen how many followers you got on Twitter now? And I'm like, nah, like just playing dumb. And then it blew out again. There was a next wave of followers and it got to like 60,000. So then I'm suddenly like this. I've got more followers than half the guys in the team. <laughs> and I'm trying to play dumb going, ah, oh, mate, it must be the videos or whatever. And um, yeah, long story short, I think most people caught on to it. And then as the years went on, you know, all the fake accounts started getting busted or whatever. So, so what do you just I'll just have a look now, Jonesy. Yeah, 15 and a half. That's still good. Stolid. Mate, I, I went from 60. I was in the 60s at one point, and then um, all those Ukrainian uh, profiles just started getting mopped Some up. good-looking so. fake profiles, though, isn't there? Yeah. So the chances of me getting a verified tick after what I did, uh, no. <laughs> no. Done. No sure chance. Not. But, but what I was thinking is if you hacked into Elon Musk's Twitter – you should have got a little bit more creative or, or Kanye West than doing like a generic spam thing with Bitcoin. You should mm. have just written like the way he would. Yeah. Like, mm. hey, hey, y'all or something, you know, and, and add a bit more Kanye sort of vocab mm. if you if you really want to suck people in because it, it could have gone nuts. Right, there's yep. these hackers out there are crazy. Like I've got a, um, a few years ago, he said so the the lady name who organizes the um the salary payments and things um you obviously have like quite a fair bit of um email contact with her throughout the years over various different topics so he he'd been emailing her a number of times um and these hackers had been watching his emails that hacked into his email account and they've been watching the wording and how he writes these emails to her and everything and then eventually once they had it sorted they emailed her um, saying, hey, um, I've changed my bank account. Can you please start paying my salary to this bank account? And it was worded exactly how he would write an email and everything. Luckily, she was on, to, on the ball a bit and she called him and was like, hey, did you just um, ask me to change to send your salary to a different bank account? He's like, what? No. So that hacked into his email, sussed it all out. And if it wasn't for her being onto it and being switched on, like his salary payments could end up in bloody wherever, you know? I, I had the exact same thing happen to me with my with my financial guy um, doing some stock stuff. And we had a, a, a friend of mine I went to school with, one of my good friends, went and worked under this guy as like a, you know, left school, did his uni degree in finance. And then he went down and um, worked in Christchurch for, for him. And um, 
he, the guy that hacked my account, he went, he, he was emailing my stockbroker and he said, even in the email, he used like, hey, mate, um, how's it working with Chris? The guy's name was Chris, you know, like my school friend and stuff, talked about my schoolmate, used my language, everything. And the only way it got pulled up was that um, this guy rang, didn't have my European number. He managed to ring mum and dad. And then mum rang me and said, oh, stockbroker just wanted to check that, um, or that you know that he doesn't, that you change your account over the emails. And and then they picked it up through that way. Otherwise, it would have been floodgates, everything gone. Portfolio, yeah. Jeez. Dodgy boy, right? Yeah. Okay, um, hey, we've, we tweeted, or I tweeted and Instagrammed and Facebooked um, the other day, the itinerary for today's show. We haven't done any of that um, as per normal. What was the itinerary? Um, yeah. Send that to me. Well, is there well, anything no. else you want to talk about? No, well, what Don't I was going to say, what I was going to say is that should we take a um, a diet coke piss stop? Um, uh, Rowie's going to be here probably in 10, 10 or fifteen minutes. Um, if we carry for that long, and then we talk to him, it's going to be an hour forty five long episode. So, what do you reckon? We take a little breather and and come back yep. or what? Yeah, and yeah, can we say can we say in this ad break, we'll just pick a random ad off YouTube. <laughs> just, yeah. to, just to play keep the, the yeah we'll just play the ad so enjoy a message from our sponsors if you're like me you find it very hard to keep your dick dry i left my dick unprotected and it was warped out of shape in no time i could barely recognize my own dick imagine that then i discovered schaefer's new zealand style dick sealant the best way to take care of your dick in three easy steps first wash your dick with soap and water then wait for your dick to dry once your dick is clean and dry, paint your dick with Schaefer's Dick Sealant. I used to be too embarrassed to invite people over to see my dick. But now, my dick's the talk of the town. I even have pictures of my dick. Check out that dick. I want to send this to my secretary. Barbara always loves to receive my dick pics. After all, summertime is all about spending time on your dick. I'll often have 20 to 30 people on my dick at once. That can really wear your dick out, causing dick splinters and discoloration. But with Schaefer's dick sealant, my dick stays a nice golden brown colour. Who wouldn't want a golden dick? I used to never let children anywhere near my dick. My dick was too dangerous for cuds to play on. But it seems like every cud in the neighbourhood's been on my dick this summer. And they've all had a good time. My dick's over 70 years old, but it looks brand new. That's part of the reason all my neighbours are jealous of my dick. Wasn't that right, Jim? Yes, you've got a nice dick, okay? His wife is always on my dick, begging me to know the secret of my perfect dick. All right, Boy, here we go. Right. We've got Rowie. Here he is. Fucking <laughs> hell. The, f- the first guest we get on here, and he's on a massage table. Yeah, dream. Well, <laughs> old Bewley told me four o'clock, so I thought I'll get a quick, quick rub and uh, be good to go, but caught me off guard. Well, it's 10 past four, mate. Ah, <laughs> different time zones. 10 past three. Oh, right. Ah, fuck. Oh, fuck. Oh, oh, there we go. Did that one in Bewley's, did you? Yeah. My oh, bad. my bad. Oh, our bad. Yeah, how's it going, We've got boys? a lot of we've got a lot, re, lot of real low level admin on this show. Um, it might be you. You've taken a real step down. I mean, from coming from a, a quite a successful podcast, the the what's on that you and G run. What's you occurring? Really, you've basically oh, what's occurring? Yeah, so wasn't what's on that thing on that. Eurosport? What's that? Nah, whatever. Mate, ours, it's is, ours is the same. We're always making mistakes and. Hey ho! Now this is like coming from the Premier League to Divi Four. 
and the shittest <laughs> team that's going to get relegated. <laughs> we're facing relegation, eh? We thought yeah, we'd give an example. We get a guest on. Radio. I'll give an example of our low levelness. We opened this episode with about twenty minutes talking about Dan Jones's zit and if it's poppable <laughs> or not. So, um, real high level stuff. Well, I said yes. Jones, he thinks it needs no. It's day. it's a deep pressurized one that you shouldn't touch unless you're guaranteed that you're going to get a result. <laughs> Otherwise, it's going to scar up. Yeah, yeah. And it's there for a week or so. Yeah. So, hey, Jules, you're going to open the batting and start yeah. playing some shots or what? Righto. We got Rowie on here today. I think everybody knows who Rowie is. Uh, it's rise for Ineos. He's been there since 2012, Team Sky, and then now Team Ineos. Uh, he's been in the Tour de France team um, since 2015, and I think you've won everyone since then, haven't you? Well, you won everybody tour since 1903, I think, in your team. <laughs> well, yeah, been a, been a part of the winning team, um, 15, 16, 17, eight, yeah, uh, five years in a row. So um, picked up a lantern rouge somewhere along the way there as well. A few scars, one disqualification, so you name it, I've done it, mate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that DQ was so good. Yeah. So good. Um, yeah, I love it. We actually, uh, we 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 wanted to get stuck into it. There's a bit of a bit of a um, furore in New Zealand at the moment about sideline punch ups, and we actually were looking to get in to um, talking about uh, some. We've, we've gone deep into to fighting, uh, actually in rugby league, nothing in cycling, but you definitely had a good element in the last tour, and I loved it. I loved every bit of it. So uh, I was sad to see you leave. Mate, the best part about that, I watched the video before and uh, I saw um, when Rowie went back through the bunch and then George like gave him like a bit of a wave. I was yeah. like, what the fuck are you doing, George? <laughs> I've just got small man syndrome, so I just chip in, you know? Oh, I let I Tony the, do the talk. Yeah, as I went back, I copped a load of abuse. I think um, Lawrence the Plus called me a dickhead or something and it was all, it was all deserved. I mean, it was one of it was one of them things, you know, I think you know, myself and Tony would try and do similar jobs for, you know, for the leaders and, you know, we're kind of, that naturally leads to, you know, me and him kind of boxing on throughout the, you know, the whole course of the race. And then, you know, that day it just boiled over and I think we can both kind of hold our, hold our hands up and say we both kind of made a mistake. Um, you know, that being said, I think it was a bit over the top to send us home, but um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I don't mind laughing and joking about it, but I, you know, looking back, it was a um, pretty shitty moment in the career. Just to, you know what it's like when you when you're working for the team. It's not um, you don't care, but I didn't care about myself. It's just the fact that mm. you felt you let <clears throat> felt I let the boys down. So that was it was quite it was quite hard at the time. But now looking back, I think you just gotta accept it and crack the, on, right? The, and let's let's be honest, the officials are soft because I mean, cycling it's entertainment. Right, it's a sport. Yeah. The fans love that shit. Like yeah. no one got badly injured. I mean, you look at ice hockey. As soon as they throw yeah. the gloves down, fans are up shaking, throwing their beers around. They love it. Like they've got to have. If you didn't get any sort of concussion, you didn't split anyone open. <laughs> game on. You need characters in this sport. Like it's bullshit. Yeah, and but, yeah, I mean, truthfully, yeah. it happens, man. It happens. And like you're just fuck. There's a fuck TV camera there. You know. But, I do have to ask, like you see it when riders get injured. Did you still go to the last party in Paris oh, after that yeah. tour win? <laughs> yeah, Good yeah. Man. So I went, um, I flew home 
the next day. Um, yeah, kind of drowned my sorrows back in Cardiff, had a night or two there. And then I wasn't going to go to Paris. I, you know, I, 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 yeah, I had no plans of going. And the team called me and they said, listen, your, your flight's booked. You've got no choice. Come, come over. You're a big part of it. Um, we want you to be there. So that was, that was quite nice, you know. So um, flew over Saturday morning, big night Saturday night. Watch the race Sunday, and then uh, there with the with the boys to celebrate in Paris. So uh, didn't miss any out, didn't miss miss out on any of that sh- uh, shenanigans. Yeah, and look, like, like, like you said, like about um, you being a big part of that of that team. I guess it's a good segue into into Freemi. You've been a big part of um, a lot of Freemi successes, and I mean, obviously, as everybody knows now in the media, that Freemi's um, leaving the team next year after ten or eleven years there going to Israel Cycling Academy. And look, I mean, I guess from my point, I understand it um, for a number of reasons, but I guess primarily it's, um, you know, for, for guaranteed leadership in the Tour de France next year. And um, in our team, we've, we've also had periods of like guys like Simon Gerrans, Caleb Ewan, Michael Matthews, those guys leaving the team. And, and when a leader is a team, it's always a bit of a shame. And uh, I guess for you, Rowie, like having been part of so many successes for him. I mean, sure, you've got G and um, and Bernal now, so it's sort of business as usual for you guys next year, even without Froome, I suppose. But it must be a bit of a shame for you to uh, to lose someone you've been been a big part of, of his successes. Yeah, exactly, mate. I think, you know, since he's been with the team since the start, um, I've been alongside him for my whole pro career. Um, so since day one, I've been racing alongside him and even prior to that, you know, we both lived in Karata when, when I was an amateur and he was a pro. So, yeah, 10, 12 years I've been been alongside him. And I think, um, but like you say, 100% understand the reason, you know, he, he's changing teams. Obviously, like you nailed it, he's got, there's G, there's Egan, and then you've got Carapaz and guys like um, Pavel Sivakov. You know, that he's just got these young up-and-comers and he's forever, well, they're all forever have going to have to fight for for leadership and to be top dog and he can he can step over there and you know he's he's instantly top dog um and there's no there's no pressure to prove that in training or racing and then come to the Tour de France he'll he'll be fully supported so you know I completely understand the move from his point of view um but that being said obviously you know I've been there for three of his tour wins I've ridden a couple of welters with him so yeah, sad to see him go. And also, he's, you know, I think not a lot of people really know him that well. You you, you see an interview with him and he's just, well, to be honest, quite quite boring. And he, after a stage, he'll say, <laughs> <laughs> he'll say, you know, standard stuff. Thanks. My team were good. It was a hard race and I'm happy to win. But actually, he's such a fucking character. He's, you know, and he, when he lets his guard down and, you know, just in a relaxed environment, he's he's brilliant. So um, yeah, definitely a shame to see him go. But you know, I think what what the reasoning is the right reason to go. Yeah, and it's like that. With I mean, you could all you could all also argue it for anyone who's basically part of the furniture in a team. You know, like our team's a good example of we've got guys in this team who have been here since the start, and we've had guys who have been here since the start and who have left. And regardless of whether they're winners or not, it's always a shame to see someone who's sort of upheld the culture of the team. Um, being a leader on and off the bike, it's always it's always a shame when guys of that leave. But I guess if you you're with them for a long time, you develop those friendships anyway, and and they carry on like through the through the years, regardless of what team you're in. Even though you're going to be 
butt and elbows with Nick. Definitely not to the same level as you were with Tony. But um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's quite interesting because, like, you look at the success your team's had in the Tour de France. Like, you've won with four different riders. You've won seven Tour de France's, no? Um, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, <clears throat> at the end of the day, it's, it's like the team that you guys have built, uh, the way you guys perform on the bike, you know, sure, G wins or Egan wins or Froome wins or Brad wins. But, like, it's the way that the, you guys effectively dominate um, as a team. You have done over the last few years. And I, I find it quite interesting, like, Froome's obviously yeah, gone for to have that leadership, but he's going to have to build a whole team around him now that does that can match effectively what you guys do and, and probably what George's team does as well, you know? Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, I think, it, yeah, without sounding like a, a big ad, you know, I think the the team has been dominant in that one race. and only oh, absolutely. In one race, really. Um, you know, across the rest of the races, it's certainly not the case. And I think they put so much emphasis and so much of their resources into that one particular race. And now, you know, I think you, you see with Lotto Jumbo and um, George and the rest of, rest of the boys, they're doing a similar thing in it. But, you know, last year, certainly, um, it wasn't a domination far from it. And, you know, you could even argue that the... You know, a lot of Jumbo were, or FDJ on their day in the mountains were, were stronger. Um, so it's it's only exciting for the fans. And I think they're, they're the ones who essentially win. Mm. Um, but, but like you say, we threw me. New team, you know, he's going to have to, like in this team, he had, his, uh, he had his mechanic, he had his carer, he had his guys around him who went to certain races and he had this entourage, you know. And mm. um, it's going to be starting from zero. He's going to have to build that up. Um, but it's a whole new culture as well, isn't it? You know, every team's different and, you know, there is that, you know, we're, we got a British culture, you've got the Aussie, Kiwi culture, whatever. And, um, you know, he's going to go into a completely different culture where everything's different, you know, Israel Cycling Academy. It's going to be a lot of change. But um, like you say, he always had that crew around him here and he's going to have to build that back up from scratch. Mm. Hey, bro. Um, oh, oh, you're right, sorry, George. Sorry, Okay, yeah, I was just gonna say, it's how do you find squaring off? How do you find squaring off against your old teammates? Actually, like, how do you how do you find that? Because I know, like, you know, you're yeah. always with them, and then um, you go in a race as Because I have it sometimes when I when I square up with like the Mitchelton boys down under. Yeah. Um, you know, when I when I go elbow to elbow with with Derbs and 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 Daryl, you know, good mates, we 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 go out and barbecues together on the weekends and then we go to down under and we're hooking each other into the, to the into the barriers it's a strange one isn't it because for me i've always been able to separate off bike to on bike and i think that's where you know it takes a certain mentality to you know be have your best mate and then look pete kenner was another example um, similar to what you were just explaining. And you, you get these mates, you get these close relationships, and then suddenly they're in a different team. And for me, I've got the, I just take it, and I've got the ability to kind of switch from race mode to off race mode. And I might, you know, have a have a ding-dong in the race. And then after, I hope that person there's no problem with. But obviously, there's, there's a line. If day in, day out, you're being a dick for no reason, then, you know, you, you're not going to yeah, be a well-liked guy. And that's that's fair enough. But I think... Like me and Bewley. How many ding dongs oh, yeah. have we had over the years? Yeah. Oh, you know? I love them. I love it, eh? <laughs> and like, now, and I, I love a ding. 
I, I reckon it's better squaring off with your mates because, like, if you square off with your mates, you you know at the end of the day, like, oh, he's a fucking good bastard, you know, and you just have a laugh about it yeah, afterwards over there. Yeah. But yeah. if you square off with some guy you don't know, you're like, oh, fuck that prick. You know, like, there's, <laughs> got, there's no coming back from it. <laughs> I've got yeah. two points on this. One is the, the sorry, I keep going back to it, but the, the you and Tony square off. What I loved about that, right, was that whatever happened in the race, no one gave a shit. No one was, like, taking that personally. You've always rode together to the finish line, laughing and talking shit. And yeah. then no one got to the dinner table and went, how's fucking Luke Rowe ra, ra, and ragging on you? They were like, man, that escalated. And then we were like, oh, shit, they're out of the race. And then we were just gutted yeah. for Tony. But you boys were together or whatever. But I, I once had it in a race, one of my first pro races, where I didn't really, okay, I'll, I'll admit I was an absolute pest. And it's probably to a point still am. And I'm, I'm working on it. But uh, <laughs> long way to go. Boiled over. We didn't leave. Didn't leave. Didn't leave it on the bike. And um, it was in Tour Down Under one year. And I'd had a bit of beef with a guy all week. And um, and the last night we went out and launched. And we we came. I left with a broken nose. I was on a flight home. I know that. Oh nothing. yeah. I was there. Were you oh, there? Here we go. Yeah, I was there. Let's get the real I story. Yeah, yeah. I just I remember there. getting. Oh, headbutted. Man, I remember headbutted straight in the nose. And I remember that morning. So I got back to the hotel. This is probably going to end up on cycling news. So listen, don't be dicks. But Good, we need the heat so we can get real sponsors. So what, what happened that night was we um, I ended up with a broken nose and it was whatever. It all boiled over. But then I got taken back to the hotel. Jack Bauer and some of the boys put me in this cab. And I got back to the hotel and I was rooming with one of my good mates, Jesse Sargent, and he had my suitcase packed and took me to the airport and all the stuff. And I woke up on the flight from, because I was trying to fly back to New Zealand, but you couldn't fly from Adelaide. So I think we had to stop in Sydney. And I remember like waking up, landing in Sydney and looking around and going like, fuck, <laughs> what is this? And I walked off, I walked out to the plane and Jesse was just standing at the, the end of the tunnel, just shaking his head. I just got <laughs> dried blood and black eyes going, Wow. Yeah, but George, I mean, first year as a pro. <laughs> well, not like without mentioning names, who the, this other person was. You didn't pick a very oh. good uh, target, <laughs> did you? Of all the people, you that's classic like, small man syndrome, though, isn't it? You, you go for the big a, guy, the pretty big, big and... unit to fuck with. You were always going to have one. I wasn't yeah, there, yeah, but I, I would not fight that guy. But it, it was prison. It was prison tactics. You know, it was like new kid on the block, <laughs> go for the big guy. Just, you know, really trying to set yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and you got your nose broken. Good work. I don't know if I got a punch on him. So, Bills, you, you you you've had a few sporting run-ins. What, tell, oh. what was this thing about water polo? I remember, I remember you told me a water polo story once that you got stuck into. Uh, mate, it, it was the best punch on I ever had because, and the reason for that was because my old man was there in the stands. And I was playing water polo. I was like 15 or 16. And there's always a bit of shit going on under the water, you know. And some dude, he just he just grabbed me by the nuts. And I was like, oh, <laughs> fuck. Like, I mean, you can you can do a couple of bits and pieces under the water, but that's like, you don't go for the crown jewels, you know. So I remember yeah, just that's like. that's common practice in water polo. They all do that. I was young and I didn't like it. And, Standard uh, defense. And I remember we were like in the other end of the pool, so there was no one around us. And I just came out of the water as high as I could, and I just fucking went smack, laid one straight on his kisser. <laughs> and then all I heard when I like came back up out of the water was this guy on the stands just going, 
and I looked up and my old man was just like, yeah. <laughs> I, I got suspended for four games. Mum wasn't happy. Um, <laughs> I reckon New Zealand sporting sidelines are potentially the worst place in New Zealand. Like, um, I, all I have memories of playing footy is good. And I wonder if this is the same to you, Luke, uh, in Wales, if they, you know, you, you played footy as well, I think, right? Rugby growing up. They played a bit of rugby, yeah. Yeah. So in New Zealand, all I have memories of is like under 13s and just, you know, like old men on the sidelines screaming at their son, you know, kick him in the head and just, you know, just screaming at their kids and then the, then the parents getting stuck into it. And I think like if I took like, New Zealand is by far and away great people, friendly, open, whatever. But the sporting sidelines in New Zealand, especially at rugby, from the, from pushy parents. There was a big story uh, about a week ago where <laughs> where it erupted between two teams, two rugby teams, and the whole team started fighting. But not only the team started fighting, was they then said there was a 50-man brawl as the spectators from each side just started going at each other. And I think it's just the most angry angry place and i wonder if that's a new zealand thing or is that pretty pretty common in Wales Mate, there's well. a there's a documentary about this topic and it's all about parents that are too full-on with their kids playing sport and one of the funniest scenes is this dad who spent all this money on his daughter to become this gun golfer she's only like six or seven and he's like the caddy for this massive tournament and she gets on the first tee and the dad's just like iron her off and she shanks it into the woods and he just goes on this rant like, fucking God damn it. Oh, what a shit shot. And like, you know, her game was pretty much ruined after that. She was missing three foot putts. But uh, um, yeah, there's a whole docker so re- on that whole thing. I reckon speaking of golf, we let Rowie go because he's getting his massage. Yeah. But we did touch on um, some golf earlier on, Rowie. We were talking about Tiger Woods as legend of Berlin. So quickly, before you go, with no yeah. research, no information at all, top, top of your head, is he a legend or a bell end? Oh, I wish I knew more about him. I know he's done some dodgy shit, hasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he's done some dodgy shit. Yeah. It's the first time someone's ever said, I wish I knew more about Tiger Woods. <laughs> like, he's just flown <laughs> under the radar, hasn't he? <laughs> Yeah, he's very famous, isn't he? Um, to help you out, um, we, all right, good man. We all voted legend, so good to have some oh. different a difference in there. Good hey, on. one last one before you, you to... go, Rowie. Yeah, go on. Is um, everyone was raving about the Last Dance documentary? It's all about obviously the Bulls dynasty or whatever. Let's be honest, in cycling, you guys are probably the closest thing we've got to a dynasty at the Tour de France. Does it get harder? to win the tour year after year as the pressure mounts where it's expected, where people are going, you're going in the tour this year, it's expected that you guys are going to win it. Because in the last dance, Doco, you saw it mentally cook guys like Jordan when he's trying to win his sixth. He was always saying to the camera, going, oh, fucking over this. Is it, does it, the pressure cooker build or how do you handle it? I think 100% year on year it gets harder. Um, okay, uh, other teams, other riders, I think they've closed the gap. But more so, you know, if if someone from the team wins it, it's like, ah, okay, they won it. They should. But if it's almost like we can only fail in a way. Yeah. If, yeah. if you win That's it, hard, eh? if you win it, it's expected. If you don't win it, you failed. If you come second, yeah. you failed. Which, um, so year on year, I think it's getting harder. But I think every. The whole the whole sport in general is just getting more and more professional, and people are getting more and more boring. And I think Mate, it's just Billy's like... starting to weigh his food now. 
It's getting you're to not that one of them, level. are you? He is weighing his food, aren't you, Bills? I never have been rowy, but I've you've gone converted. to the dark side. Yeah, mate. I don't sleep at night. What's wrong with you? I, I weigh my food, but I don't sleep at night anymore. Oh, mate. And he <laughs> hates himself, so you know, in balance, he's he's the same. He's tanking on yeah, training rides. You just have to be like, look at your job. You just have to be a big, strong bastard, don't you? Yeah. Good, no? good point. I'm going to go grab a burger and a couple of beers. Good man. Good man. <laughs> hey, cheers, Rowie. Thanks for coming on, mate, right, even though you're you. in the middle of a mess. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Appreciate man. the commitment. You're a bloody yeah. good man. See you on the start line Legend. somewhere. Cheers, mate. Happy I'll see you in a couple of weeks. See you in a couple of weeks. Bye, boys. Bye-bye. See you, mate. Cheers, mate. See, ya. see you later. What a legend. Hey, more Fuck. reliable than Daryl Impey. Insane <laughs> yeah. Good on, Rowie, eh? <laughs> yeah. Bloody good. Bloody good of him to... Um, yeah, we, we busted up the uh, time zone, so it's not the first time this has happened. Um, yeah, he's an hour behind in Tenerife. I didn't know that. Anyway, he committed on the massage table, so thanks to him for that. Bloody legend. And I'm I'm done. I'm ready to I'm done. Tap I'm out. done. This has been a mammoth afternoon on the phone. Mate, it's so. 12.30 a.m. I've had numerous text messages from the missus going, you're way too loud. <laughs> She's upstairs trying to <laughs> keep the kids asleep. So, anyway, all right, let's all, right. Cool all right, I'm all gonna right, go pop. Um, this is it, boys. Yeah, <laughs> subscribe and all that stuff, everybody. And uh, yeah, also yeah. we give give Rowie's podcast a quick shout out. What's occurring yeah. with him and Geraint Thomas? Barbie give that a listen. Ours. Give that a listen, but only after oh, you've listened to all of ours, told every single person you know about our one, and subscribe, and, it, and then go and, go to this. And if you're a company and you want us to give you a legitimate shout out. <laughs> <laughs> send Bully a, a private message on Twitter. He handles all the show financials. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, get out of my apartment too, mate. Yeah, all right, boys. Good it. Cheers. See you later. <laughs>